Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. Hi, this is Jordan Rich, and today's topic is retirement, what you should be thinking about when it comes to your future and that of your family. And we're speaking today with attorney Patrick Curley of Curley Law Firm in Wakefield. Patrick is one of just 26 certified elder law attorneys in Massachusetts. He has served as a co-author of the Mass Health chapter of the Mass Bar Association's annual Elder Law Education Resource Guide each year since 2016. And he received the MBA's Pro Bono Spotlight recognition in 2020 for outstanding volunteerism with the Mass Bar Association. Attorney Patrick Curley, great to have you join us today on the Mass Bar Beat to talk about retirement, which sure does look a lot different than it did, say, a generation ago. I would definitely agree with that, Jordan. It's, you know, with my oldest clients, uh, most of them retired at a very consistent age, whether it was 62 or maybe 65. They often had worked for the same employer for decades. And now with my clients who are in their 50s, 60s and 70s, uh, we're not seeing that anywhere near as much. People are working at different uh, uh, jobs, different uh, employers, different careers even over their uh, span of, of work. And so we're finding people retiring at different ages. Some are retiring early, what we would describe late 50s, early 60s. But many others aren't really even retiring at all. They might stop their full-time work, but then they pick up a part-time job or they're in the gig economy or they continue on as a consultant. So there's no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to retirement. We'll certainly focus a lot on the importance, the critical importance of estate planning. But, you know, so many aspects to retirement that weren't around when you and I were mere wisps of an idea in our parents' minds. Pensions, not as many pensions as there were, say, a generation or two ago. But you've got all kinds of alternatives with IRAs and investments and Social Security, which is constantly changing. That's something that people should be thinking about even before retiring, isn't it? There's no doubt. You you know, as we're thinking about retirement or reducing our work and our our potential income, families need to think about what income are they going to be able to draw on uh, after retirement. And certainly they're going to want to look at at social security as a starting point, but then looking at what kind of qualified accounts they might have saved in, whether that's a 401k or a 403b or an IRA or Roth IRA and how those might serve them. Maybe they have a pension, but as you said, Jordan, those are much fewer and far between today. Um, And what we tell clients is they should talk to their financial advisor because they can run projections based on life expectancy, looking at their income, looking at a reasonable rate of return based on their savings and investments, and try to think about has that individual, that family saved enough for their projected retirement. Everybody listening has an estate. It's not just for the rich. Yes, that is correct. And so estate planning really can begin uh, even when someone turns 18. Uh, And we think about younger people, uh, sometimes there can be situations where there may be an accident or a health event where they may be incapacitated. Certainly that's true at any point in life and that increases uh, in risk as one ages. But if you become incapacitated, it's really essential to have estate planning so that the individuals that you want are lawfully appointed to make uh, both medical decisions for you and financial decisions for you. Now, in reality, Jordan, many people uh, 
don't get around to estate planning in their younger years. All of us grow up with a little bit of a sense of immortality. And then oftentimes we get to around our late 40s or early 50s and suddenly it feels like a new chapter. And that's when more and more uh, individuals and couples think, geez, we ought to start thinking about planning. And so uh, I encourage estate planning at any age, but it's, it's certainly something someone in their 50s should be beginning to think about uh, if they have not already engaged in estate planning. Let's have you run through the key elements of the estate plan and what they mean in simple terms, the will, the power of attorney, healthcare proxy, that kind of thing, because this is an educational forum and we'd love to inform people who are needing this kind of info. Feel free. If we start with a will, and it's funny because when, when clients come to us and they're thinking about estate planning, often that is the estate planning document that's on their mind, a will. And we often say to clients, hang on a second, we're going to get to death and we'll talk about that, but let's start about your lifetime. You're far more likely to have a period of incapacity or uh, disability at any one point in your life than you are to die. So let's think about that first. And when we think about medical decision-making, we're thinking first about a healthcare proxy where you can appoint an agent and ideally an alternate as well to make medical decisions for you. Uh, along with that, we think about a HIPAA medical records release, HIPAA being the Federal uh, Privacy Act uh, under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. So it's a long acronym, but it's really essential because um, anytime you go to the doctor or hospital, you'll see that acronym HIPAA, H-I-P-A-A. And you want to be sure that the people you want to have access to medical records can get them if necessary. And then another component of healthcare planning would be your living will. And the living will uh, allows you to offer your thoughts with regard to end of life decision making. Now, the flip side to healthcare planning is uh, financial decisions and financial and legal decisions. And one of the key planning components for that is what we call a durable power of attorney. And through the durable power of attorney, often known as a power of attorney, uh, you can appoint someone with authority to make financial decisions for you. And so by having the healthcare planning and the power of attorney planning, you can help avoid a guardianship or a conservatorship in the probate court should you become incapacitated. And that can be a tremendous uh, money saver for you and your loved ones, but also a stress saver. It mm. reduces the burden on your loved ones. Well, one of the important facets of this is updating it, making sure that it's up to date because things change. You you, you you have more grandchildren coming along. You have perhaps the loss of a spouse, a divorce. There are always reasons to take a look and review where you are, correct? Yes. So sometimes uh, an individual or a couple will do an estate plan. Maybe they have minor children. They'll have a simple will. Uh, and then they don't look at it for a couple of decades and their lives change dramatically. Now the kids are adults. Maybe one of the children has an addiction issue. Um, they have more than one piece of real estate and suddenly they've got more assets. And so it's essential that people look and consider their estate planning every few years 
the law does does not stand still. It's always changing, and your circumstances and goals can change as well. And I'll give you another example, Jordan. We see a lot of families come to us with an I love you will. A married couple has been married for decades. If I die, I love you, everything goes to you, and vice versa. And that can make sense for a lot of one's life. But what happens as you age? What happens if the risk that one of you might get sick really goes up, or maybe one of you already has a chronic illness or a progressive illness, does it really make sense to just pass everything back into that person's name if they might require long-term care in the future? And so it's really important to work with uh, a specialist attorney who can really focus on how to help you protect what you've worked so hard to save. That's where family trusts come into play as part of the equation. Can you describe what a trust does and why it can be important? When I think about a trust, I like to think about it as a bucket. And so if you've got a bucket, and I've got an eight and a 10-year-old, and so I picture my kids at the beach with a bucket. Someone's holding that bucket. We call that person the trustee. And if there's two people holding the bucket, just throw an S on, and it's trustees. And so the bucket is a trust. And you can put things in the bucket, the beach bucket, right? You could put your house in it, maybe bank accounts, investment accounts. And how do you put things in? Well, you just retitle it at the bank. And you say, instead of it being in your name individually, now it's in your name, comma, trustee of your trust. And same thing for the deed on your real estate. Uh, And so there are different types of trusts. But when you boil it down, a trust, of course, is a very... uh, complex legal document. It could be 50 or more pages long. But if you really look at it, it's identifying who the trustee is, and it gives a set of directions to the trustee outlining what they can use uh, when they put their hand in that bucket. How can they use it for whose benefit? And that's both during your lifetime and after your death. There are lots of considerations because everyone's different. I I know of people who have children with disabilities who become adults with disabilities, and they're still concerned from the parents that they're going to be protected, they're going to be taken care of. This is why an attorney with expertise in this area can really help couples like that. Yes, and that's such an essential area. When you're working with special needs planning, um, there are a lot of misunderstandings out there and, and, and so sometimes people think, well, I have one child who has special needs or may be disabled, and I have another child who might not. I'll just leave everything to my child who doesn't have special needs or is not disabled, and they'll take care of their sibling. And Jordan, as you can imagine, life doesn't always unfold quite as easily as that. Mm. And there are tremendous risks if you disinherit your child who may need that help. And so we strongly advise that those families think about creating a special needs trust for the benefit of that individual. And that way, we don't have to rely on the sibling being alive or capable or willing to share their inheritance with this uh, disabled sibling. Um, The trust can be set up and can continue long after mom and dad are deceased for the benefit of that individual. There are many uh, tax implications, obviously, to retiring. Uh, You're not working and you've got some savings, whether it be an IRA, a Roth, non-Roth. I mean, all kinds of considerations. We're not going to get into detail about each and every one of them. But why is it important for somebody to access that information early on in the process? And is that something you and people like you can help folks with? 
Yes. So I have have a couple thoughts on that question. One role for the estate planning attorney certainly is to try to minimize your tax obligations in the future. So we want to cause no further harm. um, And we want to think about uh, maintaining whatever tax advantages you may have in the future. Another component of planning is thinking about what portion of your estate is taxable. So if you're pulling money out of your IRA or your 401k, you've got to pay income taxes Mm. uh, on that when you pull it out. And we have to factor that in. That's going to impact what's available to you in the future. Another component that's important to think about is if you uh, or your spouse, if you're married, gets sick and requires long-term care, uh, the rules in Massachusetts with regard to the Medicaid program, which is known as Mass Health, are very complex, but largely they do not uh, safeguard and exclude qualified retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks. Those are countable assets. And so it's really vital that we think about how can we plan for these to maximize what we can protect for clients long into the future. While we're talking about uh, Medicaid, let's talk about Medicare, which for those who reach a certain age, 65, becomes a morass of bureaucracy and red tape. What advice do you have for those about to reach the the age of Medicare? I mean, what's the best way to proceed? You're going to be bombarded by literature. That's the first thing I know. Well, you've got a lot of choices to make because, you know, there's there's different uh, Medicare plans. There's Medicare Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D, um, and each of them plays different roles. Roles, and there's a lot of different private insurance plans that can work together with that. Um, you've got to enroll, and the enrollment can take place online, and you're forced to make choices about your prescription coverage. Um, all of these are difficult. What I advise clients in that process is lean on their local senior center um, uh, or elder service agency, and they have individuals um, uh, associated with a group in Massachusetts called SHINE, which is serving the health information needs of everyone. And SHINE is a, uh, it's a, it's, it, it's a pseudo state group. It may even be a nonprofit, but they they don't charge for their expertise. They're trained uh, by the state and by the elder service agencies. And they help individuals with trying to make these decisions. How do I approach the website? How do I figure out which plan might be best for me? And so when you, you set up a time to talk to a SHINE counselor, you bring your information with you uh, and let them know these are the prescriptions I'm taking, these are my needs, and they can help offer guidance there. All right. That's a great acronym, SHINE, S-H-I-N-E. Google that here in Massachusetts and you'll get the uh, contact, I'm sure. Uh, one of the questions that often comes up is, are you ever too old to start rearranging or tweaking your retirement package, your retirement plan. Some people think it's all set in stone and you can't fiddle and diddle and move things around. There's no simple answer to it. Um, When we think about retirement planning, there are a lot of different types of accounts out there. Um, Some of these may feel more set in stone and that you really don't want to change because it can have tax ramifications. So for instance, if you've got a large IRA account and suddenly you want to take that money out and use it to buy a piece of real estate, you're going to pay income taxes on that whole distribution. And for, for many people, they're going to look to minimize what they're pulling out of their retirement accounts. And, and, and those uh, distributions are called re- required minimum distributions, uh, RMDs. 
And for many people, they want to keep it at a minimum to keep their income taxes down. Now, there is a new law, a relatively new law, called the SECURE Act that came into being uh, at the start of 2020. And the SECURE Act is quite complex, but one of its components is it um, eliminates the potential for retirement accounts to be stretched out over the life expectancy of a child beneficiary. So if you've got a big IRA and you leave it to your child, the SECURE Act says they cannot stretch it out over their lifetime to take it out. They have to take it all out within 10 years. And because of that law, it's causing accountants, financial advisors, and estate planners to think about how much should people save in these types of accounts how should they use them when they're retired? And these are things that need to really be uh, strategized more so than before. I have another question about Social Security, only because in the notes you redlined this, and I don't want to end our conversation without us talking about it. The time to apply before you want to start your benefits. Can you talk a little bit about that, Patrick? So, you know, as a general rule of thumb, you want to apply at least four months before you want your Social Security retirement benefits to start. And there's a broad range of time when you could start those. And I, I, for example, if you wanted benefits to start at age 62, you could apply at age 61 and eight months. Um, there's a number of things that come up when you're in your 60s. We could call them sort of guideposts or even deadlines. And you had mentioned one earlier, Jordan, about Medicare. Boy, you've got to apply for your Medicare. And if you forget to do it, then you're going to get a penalty on your Medicare Part B premium. And here is another one, Social Security. When do you want to make that application? And I tell people, um, one good resource that's free in thinking about some of these ideas is talking with the folks at the senior center uh, or at the uh, elder service agency that serves their town. Um, They often have volunteers, and that can help you start, you know, thinking about these issues so that you're more ready for when those, you know, deadlines or, or, uh, uh, you know, guideposts may come along in 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 that 60-year-old, 60 to 70 range. There's so much competing material and competing promotions and all that. What approach do you take when you sit down with a client? My focus is first we start with a very detailed intake worksheet. So that gets us a lot of the data and the information that think about what their situation is. And then we talk with the client about what their goals are. And that intake worksheet is going to allow us to see what types of accounts and assets do they have. Um, are they still working or have they retired? What is their income like? And all of those uh, questions uh, will result in different types of estate planning strategies that we can offer to them to try to optimize their retirement, their quality of life, the safety uh, and security of what they've saved, including their home and and, and accounts. Um, So all of it's very relevant. We'll often reach out to uh, the financial advisor or accountant that they may be working with as well, so that we're working in a, in a team approach. What about attorneys, since that's part of our base audience, uh, those who are members of the Mass Bar particularly, uh, considerations or steps for lawyers who are retiring? Any thoughts on that? Yes. So it's, first off, it's funny because you'd think lawyers would be the first ones to have their estate plans in perfect shape and <laughs> order. But believe me, they procrastinate like others do as well. Um, one of the issues for attorneys, particularly solo uh, sole practitioners, is what happens if they get sick or they die? Who's going to have authority to be able to access and manage and transition their open files? Uh, have they signed a power of attorney nominating another 
uh, attorney, licensed attorney with authority for the sole purpose of that role. Um, and so uh, they can reach out. There are resources with the Board of Bar Overseers and the Massachusetts Bar Association uh, that can offer guidance to attorneys who are thinking about retirement and that transition process. Great information. And of course, the Mass Bar has so many resources for not only the lawyers, but for the public. Well, Patrick, I think we've covered a lot of ground in in a very short time, in a very concise and easy to understand way. And I really appreciate you taking a little time out from uh, your busy day to talk with us about this. It's very exciting. Thank you, Jordan. It's been an honor talking with you. Once again, we thank our guest for his expertise on retirement. He's Patrick Curley of Curley Law Firm in Wakefield. Patrick is one of 26 certified elder law attorneys in Massachusetts. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.